You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan, and today I'm joined with Dr. Ben Akers. I work here at the Augustan Institute. Uh, Dr. Akers here is the Chief Content Officer at the Augustan Institute. Thank you for joining. Uh, today, we're going to dive into the life of St. Polycarp. Ben, tell us, what do we need to know about St. Polycarp? There is wonderful things to know about St. Polycarp. He, first and foremost, it's not a name that you hear often. No. Not a lot of little boys running around St. Paul, Polycarp. <laughs> but he's one of the great heroes of the early church. He is mm -hmm. a, I'll give you his dates. Uh, we celebrate his feast day February 23rd. So if you want to mark your calendars, February 23rd is his feast day. It's actually the day that he dies. Wow. And we have we have words of Saint of Saint Polycarp. We have the account of his martyrdom. We have um, letters that he received from a saint. So he is an incredible gift that we have to the church. So he's he's a bridge between the apostles, the apostolic age, and then kind of the the second century. So he's born around seventy A.D. and then is martyred one fifty five one fifty six A.D. Okay. So you would call, could you call him an apostolic father? Would that be a proper title? He that's, was... Yeah, that's great. And, and okay. by apostolic father, yeah, exactly. These are the men that knew the apostles. So he knew an apostle. Do you remember which one from uh, your, your John. classes? Yes. Great, good. John yeah. Apostle. So Mary is a proud grad. We're very proud of her as a graduate of the <laughs> Augustan Institute. And uh, yes, that's right. He studied under, he knew John the apostle, mm. the beloved disciple who laid his head on the heart of Christ. I just think that's mind-blowing, though, to be two degrees away from Jesus, you know, to, to yeah. be discipled by the man who's reclined his head on Jesus's chest. No, that's incredible. I know, exactly. So he would have known, he could, you know, think of the stories that he knew about Christ that we don't have recounted in the Gospels for us. Yeah. Right? Because John says, I can't write it all down because it would fill all the books of the world. And so yeah. he knew stories about Jesus that we don't know. Okay, but fun question. If you were Polycarp, what would you ask St. John? If I was St. Polycarp, what would yep. I ask John? Yep, about Jesus, about the early Christian fathers, the apostles. Yeah, yeah probably, that's a good question. Yeah, I would probably say, what was, you know, tell me a story about Jesus, Jesus. That, that you haven't told me before. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I actually like to do when I meet, like, for example, the missionaries of charity. They, you know, the missionaries of charity, most of them living now would have met Mother Teresa. Mm. And tell me a story about Mother Teresa. Oh, I remember. And they immediately, you know, tell me a story about Mother Angelica if you meet one of the mother, you know, the EWTN brothers. And like, yeah. so these people that are in our living memory, holy men and women. Yeah. Uh, and to get stories that uh, you don't always get to see written down or, or hear told. No, I agree. I, I appreciate these first, second century saints just for the humanity, too, that they remind us of, of Jesus and in the apostles as well. Yeah. He, um, actually, so, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that he, he knew the apostles. He, at least the Apostle John, mm. he was taught by the Apostle, not just like, hey, that's John over there, but he actually was taught by John, mentored wow. by John. He was a disciple of John. And he's friends with St. Ignatius of Antioch. We have a form, Catholic saints on him as well. And he was appointed by John, an apostle, to be a bishop of the Church of Smyrna. Okay. So he was very in with uh, John in particular. That inner crowd. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, and where is Smyrna? It's that? in Asia Minor. Okay. So kind of where Turkey, if you're thinking of a modern map now, Turkey. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So when I think of St. Polycarp, I, I think of his martyrdom is what comes to mind first. But before his martyrdom, was there anything he was known for? What were, what were the obstacles of his time that when he was bishop? 
Yes. So uh, he had a couple obstacles that he faced. You know, just living a, living as a Christian in the world is 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 difficult today as it was in the second century. And uh, a couple of things that come to, to mind is the Gnostic heresies. So Gnostic heresies, we have a trend of those in the early church. Sometimes we even have them with us today. This is kind of a secret knowledge. We have something that's not accounted for in the Gospels or in tradition. Mm. You know, we come to us to find out. So in particular, Marcion and Valentine are the kind of the Gnostics that he is facing. And he, the, the way that he combated them was, no, I actually heard from John, who heard from Jesus, this is the teaching. And so he would just go over and over again. Wow. And we have an account of from Irenaeus, who so he disciples St. Irenaeus, another great early church father. And Polycarp disciple. So, 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 so you think he yes, okay. Polycarp. So John, Polycarp, Irenaeus. Okay, that's a cool discipleship chain. Isn't he? I yeah, like <laughs> and then Polycarp and Ignatius are friends. They're both discipled by John. Okay. Yeah. And both both are martyred? Ignatius was also Ignatius there. is okay. martyred, yeah. Ignatius wow. actually has these incredible seven letters that he writes to the, to the churches as he's going to Rome to be martyred. He's martyred in Rome. And one of the church, he actually, one of his seven letters is a letter to Polycarp as a friend. Oh, wow. It's like saying, keep the faith. Yeah, encouragement. Strong. Yeah, encouragement. Bishop to bishop. Bishop to bishop, yeah. Would you say if you were a bishop in these early first centuries after Jesus' death, it was basically a, a sentence to death? If you hold, held any hierarchy in the church? I think that early, like, yeah, so for every Christian, not only as the bishop as and the pope, like, like the even the Christians, you know, when Jesus says, if you will be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily, and Lucas says daily, mm-hmm. and follow me. The cross is the instrument of execution. The cross is the instrument by which people die. So just by being a follower, a student of Jesus, you know that this is a possible consequence, wow. is to die. Yep. But definitely uh, bishops uh, serving as a head, you know, you strike the head of the snake, you know, the kind of, it keeps, you know, that's how you kill it. Mm-hmm. That's the idea in a lot of the practices in the early church's persecution is strike the head, the bishop, and the church, they imagine, would scatter. But yes. It actually keeps growing. Yeah, fascinating. As Tertullian says, the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Amen. Yeah. But so another thing, if I was to say another thing that what he's known for before, before his martyrdom, um, Polycarp is actually represented, it represents other, the, the other bishops that are in uh, Asia Minor, and, and he's sent to Rome to the Pope. This is just saying, this is, you know, so theology in the early church is that you have a bishop in Asia going to Rome, to ask a question, a theological, oh, wow. liturgical question. Mm-hmm. So it's not the Bishop of Rome going to other churches to find out answers. So it already kind of, even in the early, so this is second century, mid-second century, we have bishops from other country, uh, other parts of the world coming to Rome to ask questions. The question at hand is, in Asia, they're celebrating Passover, sorry, they're celebrating Easter, the resurrection of Christ, on the 14th day of Nisan. What's Nisan? So the, the month of which Jesus celebrates you know, uh, the Passover. Okay. So it's a Jewish feast day. So it's called the Quattrodecima. So for, if, you're, if you're a Catholic trivia, Quattrodecima, Quattrodecima, the 14th day controversy. So the Eastern Church says, hey, we got this. We have this tradition from John and the apostles. So this is when we celebrate Easter. Hmm. But in Rome, they celebrate Easter on Sunday. Right, on so the Sabbath. Sunday on the Sabbath, yeah. yeah. So on this, on the so Sabbath becomes transferred to Sunday. 
So they always celebrate, uh, oh, you know, amazing. after the the first full moon, after the first vernal equinox, and I okay. was kind of that. So, so the and they claim the church in Rome claims the Latin church claims that this feast day, sorry, the Easter celebrated on a Sunday comes from apostolic origin as well. Peter, interesting. So, so you have so you have both churches claiming. Is it the 14th day of Nisan? So no, no matter what day, so you celebrate Easter on a Tuesday, it mm-hmm. falls on a Tuesday because it's the 14th day of Nisan. Right. Or is it the Easter Sunday? And how did they reconcile? They didn't. Yeah, so Paul, so Paul, you know, they didn't. So Polycarp goes and makes his claim. He says, we claim apostle, apostolic origin. Mm-hmm. The Pope at the time, uh, Inesita says, we also claim apostolic origin. Wow. And they, they depart in peace. Okay. And so the idea is that they don't settle it. They don't, they said, yep, you keep practicing. We'll keep practicing. It will be celebrated by Pope Victor, uh, solved by Pope Victor in 190 AD. So within 40-something years, yeah, the church settles on the Sunday celebration. Okay. But that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Then soon after, he goes back to his church, and he's arrested. Polycarp is. Mm-hmm. Wow. And put on trial. Okay. And it also just points to the priority of the seat of Rome as well mm-hmm. from the early church. That's right. Uh, for their evidence for the seat of St. Peter. That's right. In Rome. Thank you. Interesting. Uh, well... I appreciate Polycarp for safeguarding the church from these heresies. You were mentioning Gnosticism. Was there another one of that time period? I kind of cut you off earlier. No, no, it was just the, 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 kind of the, the question about whether or not, yeah. the, when Easter should be celebrated. In the Easter, okay. Very good. Well, I yes. I heard he had told, uh, is it Marcion, that he is the first son of Satan. Yeah. Uh, in quick suppression of his teachings as being not true, not the, the faith of from Jesus. No, these, yeah. these, that's right. And so we have, these are harsh words. And they'd be like, oh, how could he say that? You know, yeah. like this is how serious doctrine is, right? Doctrine is not just a, a mind game that we do of like, you know, debating about, you know, does this, le- this letter or this word, you know, to describe Christ. No, this is using words to describe the reality of who God is and mm-hmm. God revealed himself. Mm-hmm. And Marcion is distorting that in a heresy. Mm-hmm. So heresy is, you know, to take some teaching of the church and to, to distort it in, a, in, in an incorrect awesome, way. Yeah. And uh, what Polycarp is so strong in his words, because he's like, this is serious. Lives depend on it. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, that doctrines are lights along the path of our Christian life. Hmm. If it's dark outside, and it's definitely dark in the world in which we live, we need doctrines to light our path. And so if you skew the doctrine, you say, oh, it's not a big deal, Hmm. you go off the path, and that leads to death, spiritual death. Yep. And so this is why this strong, yes, I recognize you, you're a firstborn of Satan. Yeah, no, I, I think that helps me appreciate doctrine truly as more of a gift from the church. And even when we say the Apostles' Creed at Mass, like how much battle, how much discussion, how much wars, you know, were fought to be able to uphold those doctrines of our church um, and truly see them as a gift preserved from these apostolic fathers uh, so passionate about the teachings of Christ. Yeah, well, I, I opened up my Bible. Tell my, me. My, because I think it's interesting because many biblical scholars, scripture scholars, will think that Polycarp's referred to or addressed by Christ and in John the Apostle in the book of Revelation. So we know that Polycarp is a disciple of John. Right. That John handpicks Polycarp to be the bishop of Smyrna. Mm-hmm. And in the book of Revelation. Written by John. Written by John. In the letter to the churches, there's seven churches that uh, Christ addresses and um, in the Re- book of Revelation in chapter 2. Starting in verse 8, there's a message to the church of Smyrna. Wow. Yeah. So and this is probably Polycarp's message that he's receiving from John. 
Wow. And okay. it begins, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? So angel just is the word for messenger. So the messengers, the bishop, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. And he goes through some recommendation or some Re, you know, a recognition and then a challenge. I know your tribulation, your poverty, you're rich. Mm-hmm. The slander of those who say that they're Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So it sounds but, like a Marcion, the firstborn of Satan. It also sounds like we get, when we get to the martyrdom of Polycarp, um, he's not only killed by the Gentiles, so the non-Christians, uh, but he's also the Jews uh, contribute the to crowd. win the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems to be an echo here. Mm-hmm. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear. The Spirit says to the churches, the one who conquers will not hurt by the second death. Wow. So this challenge of, hey, in the church of Smyrna, you're going to have a persection. But persevere, be faithful, and you'll receive the crown of life. Wow. Very we see that in the Yeah, we see that in the life of, of Polycarp. Yes. Wow. I had no clue that yeah. that was referenced in Revelation. So. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yes. So lots of fun things in the Bible. The uh, Another thing that we, we see before we get to his martyrdom is we have a letter from Ignatius of Antioch. We talked about him to Polycarp. And it's a beautiful letter of friendship where he's encouraging him to, you know, hey, can you check in on my church of Antioch? I trust you. You're a man of God. We both know John. We both know the Lord deeply. Mm-hmm. Persist in unity. Mm-hmm. We also have a letter of Polycarp to the church in... Philippians? Yeah, that's right. The Philippians. The I, read it, I read it yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I read these last night, too, when okay. I was uh, the, the letter. And what was your impression of the letter? My favorite part was when he mentioned St. Paul, actually. Mm-hmm. he It just seemed very practical uh, and... Help trying to encourage the the lay Christian to live their life virtuously moment by moment, and I just remember a sense of humility at the beginning where he said, "I have no authority to be writing to you, unlike Saint Paul, or I have no clout, uh, but because you ask me, I will write a letter to you." Just that level of humility that he started off his letter with stuck out to me. Yeah, exactly. And what struck me at the very beginning of the letter when he says that humility, greetings, it sounds like a Pauline epistle. Mm -hmm. He's writing in a church that Paul would have written, you know, that wrote a letter to. When you're welcomed these copies of the true love, you took the opportunity of setting them forward on the road. It made me happy in Jesus Christ. You did so. And I was like, copies of the true love. He's referring to Ignatius and his companions who are on their way to martyrdom. Oh, wow. So so Polycarp in humility saying, I, it moved me to see how you welcomed those martyrs on the way to their death. Hmm. But I love that phrase, copies of true love. That like that they were imitators. We're all, we're all the image and likeness of oh, God. Jesus but Christ. in a particular way, they're the image in Christ and they're going to image him in, in, in their death. Yeah, no, that is beautiful. Whether we're called martyrdom or not, that gift of self is something we, and carrying our cross is that copy of love we all are called and invited into. That's right. Uh, that's beautiful. So when you read the letter, it's very short. I encourage you, to, you can find these letters. We have, we both have the same copy of mm-hmm. a Penguin Classic, Early Christian Writings, which is a compilation of these early church writers. Um, but newadvent.org has all these fathers of the church free. You can look that. It's a great website that I encourage you to, if you want to read these. And um, one more quick question before yeah. we dive into the martyrdom. I just find the, the letters as the form of preservation about the life of these saints very mm-hmm. fascinating. Why was why were letters the main mode of communication, the main mode of 
and preserving the doctrine, the teachings. Yeah, could you shed some insight on why were the letters? So how were they safeguarded as well in this yeah. period? Well, they didn't have cell phones. So they can, <laughs> <laughs> no, right. It's it's the way that they communicated, and yeah. you know, you're like this is a special message, just like you know, the inspired epistles of Saint Paul, the letters of Saint Paul. You're writing to the church, and they recognize this is gold. This is good. I want to keep this so and right. preserve it. And they did their best to preserve it. Uh, you know, we do know that Clement. Sorry, we all do know that Polycarp wrote other letters. Some of the early church fathers wrote other letters, but we don't have. They were destroyed. So in persecution, that would be part of the goal would be to destroy some of these letters. But mm. they were so revered in their own lifetime as holy men and women that they kept these. They copied them as quickly as they could, and that's actually the reason why Polycarp writes to the Philippians is they've requested something from him. Okay. They requested they requested the letters of Ignatius that he had copies of. Hmm. Said, "Can you send us copies of these? Mm-hmm. And can you just give us a word of encouragement?" And so that's why he goes to that teaching of, "Yeah, tradition's important. I heard it from John. John heard it from Jesus. I'm handing it on to you. Be faithful to this. Jesus is both God and man." And so he's he's going to be very firm on that as well. You need to pray for your friends, but you also need to pray for your enemies. Hmm. You will die. You will be judged, but you will get your bodies back because the resurrection's real. Wow. So you see how it sounds like the Apostles' Creed. Yes. It's just very clear. Like these are foundations of the faith that you need to hold to. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. What is significant about Polycarp's martyrdom? So what the the one of the biggest significances, uh the, the most significant thing about his death is that he's the first martyr's account that we have outside of Saint Stephen's account in Acts of the Apostles. Okay. So very ancient. Yeah, so this is, this is amazing. We, we think of the early church martyrs, but they actually have a written account of someone who was there and describes a voice coming from the heavens. We have what Polycarp was asked on trial and what he says in response to that. We have his mm-hmm. last prayer before he passes away. We have an eyewitness wow. account of what happens when he's actually killed and what happens to his body and his bones. And so we actually have so many details about his death. Yes. What's fascinating is that St. Stephen in Acts of the Apostles, he's the first account that we have of a martyr. He's the first martyr out after Christ's death and resurrection. And his is known for being patterned on Christ. Mm-hmm. He looks up to heaven. He forgives <clears> them. <throat> they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. It sound, he sounds like Christ. It looks like Christ. Polycarp's martyrdom, if you notice that, it looks a lot like Christ. It's very, very much patterned on Christ's martyrdom, or Christ's death. Okay. Yeah, so that's one of the themes as you go through the the, the right. short again short letter. I encourage you to read it. Yeah, I, and the Christocentric imitation um, is beautiful. What specifically was similar to Christ's death and Polycarp's? Yeah, one, if I could for a moment, one of the things about just martyrdom in general mm. um, is, and it's the very beginning of the martyrdom account is uh, the author goes through people who have been martyred and people who were tend to be martyred but chickened out but i love it he says that some of these martyrs look as if they don't suffer at all and and he says it's as if christ is standing next to them and talking to them as a friend wow like with them with them yeah in their moment of death he says the cost of a single hour purchased for themselves life everlasting wow so he made light of this world so like an hour of suffering is nothing compared to eternity Hmm. I just love that exhortation to begin that, right. you know, you imagine you die and then you close your eyes in death, you open them, you see God forever face to face. Yes. Like everything changes. Wow. And so, you know, is that hour not an, you know, enough to suffer? And we can say that, you know, who, uh, you know, we're probably not going to be called to martyrdom in our own life of a blood martyrdom, but 
daily sacrifices, 70, 80 years of making sacrifices and fasting, praying, almsgiving. Mm-hmm. Is that not worth eternity? Yes. To do. Yes. That greater perspective mm-hmm. is often forgotten. Well, one of the things that he gives two examples, and this is helpful for us, is he gives the example of Germanicus, who was one of the early martyrs. So this is before we get to Polycarp, but in the martyrdom of Polycarp. And uh, he's so intense. He just, he pulls the beast upon himself. He's like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, like this kind of, yeah, this, this incredible intensity wow. of his desire. I don't think I would do that. I know. Well, it's, <laughs> it's interesting because you're like, well, like, is that normal? Is that okay? And he's just so convinced that this is, you know, he's already going to die. He's being killed. He's being eaten by the lion, you know, the mm-hmm. animals. Bring he's like, on. just bring it, like bring my, my reward wow. even more quickly. But he also gives in the very next paragraph, the example of Quintus who volunteered, I'll be a martyr. And then chickened out and ran away. Wow. And there's a commentary in the text that says, and that is the reason, brothers, that while we do not approve of men offering themselves mm-hmm. spontaneously, we are not taught anything of that kind in the gospel. So th- we have this early Christian writing saying, look, we're not taught to go and seek martyrdom. Mm-hmm. If it comes, say yes. But don't go out of your way to go and seek martyrdom. And, and that's, that's just good. He's like, it's not even in the gospel. Yeah. Because right. yeah. you don't know you're going to get the grace to do it. If you're asked mm. to do it by the Lord, he'll give you the grace. Right. Yes. Because you... But you, don't presume on the grace that you're yeah. going to get it. You, it's clear with these depictions, they're there with Jesus very closely in this martyrdom. Um, mm-hmm. You don't throw yourself in the rank without Jesus to overcome this. Right. So some of the things when you read the story, and I encourage you to read it, and um, uh, is, you know, he's praying, he's, he's betrayed by someone in his own household. The guy's name was Herod. You know, the, the author makes sure, like, remember Herod from the New Testament that was yes. an enemy? Yeah, this guy's an enemy. Um, they come on to him on a Friday. They The the guards come to him with weapons. Sounds mm. like Christ in the agony in the garden. Yep. He says, God, Polycarp says, God's will be done. He's so old. He's so saintly. He asks to pray. So we think of John 17, that, that high priestly prayer of Christ. Uh, the author of this text says uh, he prayed at length. It took two hours. Whom chance he prayed for everyone whom chance had brought him in contact with, small, great, known, and unknown, as well as the entire worldwide Catholic Church. He prays for everybody. Wow. Anyone he had ever met, great or small, he thinks he of prayed, them all, he thinks of them all before he dies. Just as Christ on the cross you know, remembers every single one of us, keeps mm-hmm. us in mind. He, they put him on a donkey, like Christ rides a donkey. They took him into the city. He's put on trial by Herod and then a father. So you think of Annas and Caiaphas, the father, the father-in-law. Um, hmm. He's examined. He's, you know, he's, he's put on trial. He's found guilty. They, uh, they nail him to the wood and then he expires. And the, you know, the, a dove, the form of the dove comes out, like the, the spirit oh, wow. comes out. So yes. there's lots of parallels in the text yes. uh, that the author notes uh, between Polycarp's death and Christ's death. Thank you. That is beautiful. And then I remember there's a Eucharistic theme as well mm-hmm. towards the end. Uh, was it he he was for some reason they weren't going to put the beast on him. That's so right. instead they decided to light him on fire, but the fire couldn't touch them or touch him. That's right. Um, and then how did where's the Eucharist? <laughs> yeah, no. So that's great. So I just think like it's such a great story because he's they 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 um, they they tie him to the tree. They tie him. To, they, they were going to mm-hmm. nail him and they tie him to the stake instead. Bound with that, with his hands behind him, he was like a noble ram taken out of some great flock for sacrifice, a goodly burnt offering all ready for God. Then he cast his eyes up to heaven and said, and he has this beautiful prayer. It sounds like the Roman canon. It sounds uh, like the Eucharistic prayer. At Mass. Where he's at, at Eucharistic prayer at Mass. So mm-hmm. how many Sundays has he, how many days that he celebrated the Mass, the liturgy, and said these words over and over again? Wow. But 
the author wants us to show that he himself is the sacrifice. So he's the burnt offering. He's the ram. And he has this beautiful prayer of, you know, he offers himself and his anointing is long. I encourage you to read it. Mm. He says, I glorify you, the eternal high priest in heaven, the beloved son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit now and upon the ages of ages. Amen. And then, as you said, the kind of fire is is forming an arc over him, like a ship sail. Um, and it's he looked not like a... Um, there was in the center of it, not like a human being in flames, but like a loaf baking in the oven. Okay. So Ignatius of Antioch said, I want, when, you know, when it's his friend, when I die, I want it to be ground in the teeth of the beast so I can turn it into the wheat of God. Mm. So very Eucharistic images here. Mm-hmm. It's like he's baking in an oven. Wow. And he's the bread that's being offered. So just yes. as bread is transformed by his hands into Christ or was, uh, so his life is being transformed into a, Imitation an of Christ's offering, offering. Yeah. and sacrifice. Yep. Very Eucharistic. Very Eucharistic. Yep. And a, a pr- very practical for us as well in our day today. Not that we're going to be burned at the stake. I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> but uh, like you were saying, how can we give of ourselves um, every day, you know, in those moment to moment sacrifices? One of the most moving passages for me is uh, how simply he shows up in the arena and a voice comes from heaven to him Be strong, Polycarp, play the man, mm. be a man. And then he's put on trial. He's he's in the trial, and the governor says, "Just a little oath. It's not a big deal. Just you know, just sacrifice to the pagan gods. It's not a big deal." And one of my favorite lines of all of like early Christian writing, Polycarp's reply was, eight and six years. So eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. Mm-hmm. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior?" Wow. The eighty-six years he's only been done good, yeah, faithfulness to me. I how can I at this moment be unfaithful to him? That is beautiful. And so, eighty-six year old, you know, when he's trying to untie, he's trying to put his slippers on, even the store, his sandals. He's too weak to do that. So think of an eighty-six-year-old man. That's old, wow. even by today's standards. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he gives this beautiful witness of of strength and vitality and courage, um, in his martyrdom. That is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. My last favorite detail about his martyrdom is at the very beginning, actually, where his captors come to him and he, he gives them food and drink and he mm-hmm. it's hospitable to he the men who are about yeah. to bring to his death. So that was really striking to me as we just look at the lives of the apostolic fathers. We are in that apostolic times today of what can we learn from these men um, and women that we can apply to our lives today as well. Yeah. I think the thing that we can learn is uh, faithfulness to God will be honored, and God honors that, and it's a witness today. We are, this is 155, 156 A.D. Mm. We in the years 2020s, you know, that the decade we're in now, we're still remembering this story. And the, the, one of the last lines of the letter is like, share this letter, share the story of Polycarp, share the story of the martyrs, yeah. so you can learn from the people that live in the, that lived and followed in the footsteps of Christ. And so I think that that's it. If we allow Christ mm. to be king of our lives, we don't know the age in which we live. The there's a, a, a saying that's ascribed to St. Thomas More: the times are never so bad that a good or, ma- or a good man or woman can't live in them. That no matter you know, what challenges we face, he was facing persecution. It was illegal to be a Christian. Wow. They're hunting Christians down. And they not only had that, they had you know, challenges of teachings within the church that were unclear and mm-hmm. bishops that contradicted bishops. And it was confusing. And he says, be faithful to the words of Christ. I know Christ. I know John who knew Christ personally, and I know Christ personally in my own life. If you're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to you. He'll be your sure guide uh, in life. And so that's, I think, one of the lessons we can learn from the martyrs. Be faithful to the words of Christ. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Anything else you'd like to share about St. Polycarp? 
No, I read it. So Polycarp's name, I know it's not a name that we often hear. We don't name our kids this. It means much fruit. Ah. So it's a very Christian name, yes. you know, because Christ says, you are my disciple if you bear much fruit. And so you're my disciple if you're Polycarp. I love it. Yeah. It's very, very beautiful. And the fruit he did bear as a martyr for the church. Yes. We are so grateful. Well, St. Polycarp, we ask for your intercession. St. Polycarp. Pray for us. Pray for us. Thanks for watching. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.